You're listening to the KCAC Beat. Now, introducing your hosts, Hans Nickel and Mark Hoffheinz. Good morning and welcome to the KCAC Beat Football Scoreboard Edition. I'm Hans Nickel. With me is Mark Hoffheinz. And it's a, a great Monday morning. Uh, the only unfortunate piece, I don't know if you saw, Mark, but they scrapped the Artemis 1 launch this morning out in Florida. There was going to be the the f- unmanned mission uh, that was going to go to the moon, uh, but the, they had a hydrogen leak. And so now their, their next launch date possibility is September 2nd. So hopefully we'll see that soon. <laughs> Not going to act like I'm an aeronautics expert, but... Uh... Definitely some interesting news there. And just so people are kind of aware, I I mentioned this on some other podcasts we have coming out this morning, but uh, we are going to be trying something new and having different scoreboard episodes for different sports. Uh, So today you'll have four separate episodes, a men's soccer one, women's soccer one, a volleyball episode, and then this football episode. So um, we'll break down the weekend in KCAC play. And if you're looking for uh, men's soccer scores, for example, we'll have another episode for you to listen to there, but just wanted to break it down to shorter, more digestible episodes there um, to kind of recap the weekend and, and look forward to next weekend in several sports. And now let's go ahead and, and hop into what you're here at this podcast for, which is the football scoreboard. This is the KCAC scoreboard. The early game on Saturday was Bethel, ranked number 23 in the NAI football coaches poll, currently taking on Atlantis University out of Florida, a team out of the USCAA. The Threshers had a strong start to the season, winning 51 to nothing. Just looking at the scoring breakdown, uh, only one touchdown in the first quarter by Bethel. Uh, Tucker Smith had a 25-yard pass coming from DJ Sears uh, that capped off a five-play 51-yard drive that only lasted a minute and 16 seconds. Uh, but you really saw the scoring jump ahead for the Freshers in the second second quarter, um, starting off with a safety uh, with 9.54 left in the second quarter. Uh, then you saw a couple of touchdowns pretty quick in succession for Bethel. Uh, Mario Quintero had a 42-yard receiving touchdown from DJ Sears, uh, capping a four-yard, 24-yard drive that only lasted a minute and 18 seconds. Uh, And at 7.02 left in the second quarter, Scott Ryder had a 13-yard run for the first rushing touchdown of the day for uh, Bethel. And they actually went for two at that point, uh, capping off that that scoring drive with a two-point conversion uh, passed by Caden Christensen. Uh, that drive was only three plays, 38 yards in 41 seconds. So you're in this game, you're definitely seeing some good field position for the Threshers and, and knocking out some quick drives there. Uh, the final score of the first half for Bethel was a uh, Cassius McCray seven-yard run with one minute and one second left in the second quarter. Uh, that was a more of a methodical... Uh, on the ground, Bethel sort of drive there. 12 plays, 45 yards in three minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, so you saw Bethel score 31 points there in the in the first half. Uh, definitely getting out to a strong start there. Moving into the second half for the Threshers, uh, I think you're starting to see some some subs making their way in. Uh, Tucker Smith 
Had a second receiving touchdown of the day, 24-yard pass from Joshua Moran, who took over for quarterback DJ Sears. Uh, that was capping off a three-play, 41-yard drive. that only took one minute there. And then you saw two touchdowns for the Threshers in the fourth quarter, uh, one by Caden Christensen on a seven-yard run. Uh, again, that's more of a traditional drive for them there, eight plays, 40 yards, and three minutes and eight seconds. Uh, and then capping off the scoring for Bethel on the day was Cassius McRae getting his second rushing touchdown of the day, I believe. A uh, 23-yard run there for him. Three plays, 50 yards in this drive in only a minute and five seconds. So definitely a strong start um, on both offense and defense for the Threshers, uh, holding Atlantis to, to no scoring. And I'll, I'll throw it over to Hans here for... Uh, some stats and some insight from him. Yeah, just a, a really dominating performance uh, by the Threshers. Stats that really stick out. Uh, total offense, Bethel was able to hold Atlantis to 51 yards of total offense. That's total. Uh, if you want to look at rushing yards in of itself, uh, the Threshers held Atlantis to negative 34 rushing yards. So just a, a complete dominating performance up front by that Bethel defense. Bethel was also able to get uh, 439 yards of total offense themselves, 288 uh, of that coming on the ground. But their their average gain per play in the game uh, was 5.9 yards per game, and that was on 75 offensive plays. Um, time of possession, interestingly enough, was, was won by Atlantis. They had uh, just under 30 minutes of time of possession uh, where Bethel was very uh, efficient with the, the time that they had the ball uh, in, in dominating uh, this performance. Any individual um, performances stand out to you, Mark? Uh, just looking at the game for me, I mean, it's kind of more the same for Bethel, having that strong rushing attack. I'm, I'm not 100% positive. Just looking at uh, some individual statistics there. Again, a, a strong rushing game for Bethel. I'm not sure if they're still running that flex bone offense there with new coach A.B. Stokes, but uh, it's definitely where the majority of their offense came from. 288 rushing yards there. Um, saw Cassius McRae, mentioned him a couple times on the scoring breakdown, have two touchdowns and averaging over 10 yards a carry. Only had 10 rushes for 107 yards there. Um, Saw Chance Scurry, they're kind of do everything fullback for for Bethel, uh, multiple time All KCAC honoree, I believe. Uh, more of the kind of the number of carries and yards you see from a fullback, 22 total carries for 99 yards there. Um, and Scott Greider and Caden Christensen both scored on the ground as well. Um, passing, you saw kind of a, a split in quarterback play there. Uh, TJ Sears, I believe, started the game. Three for five for 78 yards, and a two two passing touchdowns and one interception. Um, and then Joshua Moran took over, going seven for ten uh, for 73 yards and and one touchdown. Is there anything else you saw on offense that really caught your eye there? Not a lot of special teams that that really had to happen uh, for Bethel, but they were 
uh, productive on those special teams. So uh, Braden Francis uh, punting for the Threshers only had two punts, averaged 37 and a half uh, yards per punt, total of 75 yards. But uh, both of his punts ended up in the 20, which really helped uh, Bethel in that field position, that that dominating uh, defensive performance. If you look at uh, players like Josh Seabolt, uh, returning All-American, had five tackles, a sack, uh, two and a half tackles for a loss and forced a fumble. Uh, so a, a top performance from him uh, there as Bethel uh, rolls to the victory. Let's go ahead and transition over to our next game, uh, which was Tabor at Iowa Wesleyan. Iowa Wesleyan out of the North Star. This is up in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. A defensive battle. Tabor uh, wins this one 17-13. If we want to look at uh, scoring summaries, Tabor uh, was the first team on the board in uh, the non-traditional route. It's the second safety we see on on the weekend. So, uh, Tabor, uh, in one of their first quarter drives, uh, got the ball all the way down to the Iowa Wesleyan one and went for, for it on fourth and one. Uh, was any, unable to convert, but then with a minute 24 left in that first quarter, that f- very next play, um, Tabor gets a, a tackle for the loss and it results in a safety. Uh, but then it's Iowa Wesleyan at that point on the the third quarter. So the the entire first half of the the game, there was only that safety that scored scoring picked up in the third quarter. Uh, Thirteen minutes left in the the third quarter. Iowa Wesleyan uh, scored on a twenty nine yard pass by Gavin Esquivel to Xavier McWill uh, to take a seven two to lead, and then uh, Iowa Wesleyan scored again. Uh, with 9.22 left, this time a field goal. It's a 30-yard field goal by Lucas Mosquita. Uh, before Tabor gets back on the board and cuts that lead uh, to just two. So Tabor, with a minute 37 left in the third, uh, gets a touchdown pass from Gustavo Valer to Jacob Field, 16 yards. Uh, went for it um, for two points, uh, did not get that two-point conversion. So they tried to tie the game at that point, were unable to do so. Still trailing eight to ten, uh, but then Tabor takes the lead uh, early in the fourth quarter. Fourteen minutes, forty-six seconds remaining. So just at the start of the fourth quarter, uh, Nathan Hillig gets a forty-two-yard field goal to give Tabor an eleven-ten lead. Uh, then Iowa Wesleyan comes back and takes the lead with a field goal of their own with eleven twelve left to play. Uh, Lucas Mosqueda hit that one from thirty-two yards out. Uh, final and game-winning drive resulted uh, with 5 minutes 56 seconds left a Gustavo Valer 5 yard run Uh, again the 2 point conversion fails uh, but Tabor takes that 17-13 lead they really uh, uh, had a positive drive there and 11 plays 73 yards uh, took 5 minutes off the clock uh, on that drive that ended up being the game winning drive and gave Tabor that 17-13 victory any statistics stand out to you in that game, Mark? I mean, pretty close offensive matchup. Tabor had 376 total yards. Iowa Wesleyan had 351. Uh, but you definitely saw two different approaches to the game there. I mean, Tabor's was I'm not going to say balanced, but uh, more traditional offensive output there. They had 
259 yards passing, 117 yards rushing. Uh, the uh, Iowa Wesleyan had 393 yards passing and negative 42 yards rushing. So definitely a, going against a, a passing attack there in Iowa Wesleyan. Um, just looking at some more team statistics. Something that jumps out, Tabor had the ball for 35 minutes and 32 seconds, over 11 minutes more than Iowa Wesleyan. So not sure if that's a strategy that uh, Tabor is going to employ, just trying to control the clock and and have advantages in time of possession throughout the year. Um, one player that stood out to me on offense was Gustavo Villarreal at quarterback, uh, both in the air and on the ground. He went 25 of 44 passing for 259 yards and one touchdown uh, and had 12 carries, 39 yards, and another touchdown on the ground. So uh, not sure if he's typically a scrambler, but definitely had his definitely played both the passing and rushing games there on Saturday. Another Anything interesting else? stat, too, uh, the rushing defense in these first two games for the Casey Hasey, uh, really, really good. So if even in, in this game, uh, Tabor was able to hold um, Iowa Wesleyan to negative 42 yards on the ground, which really helps in that ball control uh, when you're able to run the ball and you're able to keep uh, the other team from running the ball. Uh, if you look some of the, the defensive uh, plays by Tabor. Uh, Charles Jones had five tackles, a tackle for the loss, forced a fumble, and had three pass breakups. So, real good job uh, in the secondary there. Gunnar Reese, two interceptions, had both interceptions for Tabor. Uh, he ended up with 85 yards off of those two interceptions. He also had uh, two pass breakups. Uh, Kareem Butler Payne, uh, five tackles, two sacks, and as Tabor was really able to put that pressure uh, on Iowa Wesleyan uh, and get that victory again up in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Next game was St. Mary taking on Midland. Uh, Midland definitely had a huge offensive output on the day, uh, winning 64-10 to 10 over the Spires. Uh, Midland scored 29 or more points in each half. And I'll, I'll go break down the scoring, but just kind of a, a heads up. Midland pulled at 20 on with the field goal in the second quarter. But looking at the scoring breakdown, Midland scored three times in the first quarter on a uh, rushing touchdown by Roncel Wafer, on a passing touchdown by Trevor Havlovich, uh, a eight-yard pass to, to Garrison Beach, um, and then that combo hooked up again for the final touchdown for the Warriors in the first quarter, um, Havlovich to Beach on a two-yard pass there. So, um, And they did go for two on one of those first quarter touchdowns. So it was a 22 to nothing lead after the first quarter for Midland. Um, as I said, St. Mary responded after that with a 37-yard field goal from Bryce Gottfried. Uh, that captain eight eight play 55 yard drive um, in three minutes and 52 seconds. Uh, but then he saw more scoring from Midland in the second, third, and fourth quarters. Um, in the second quarter, at 11:45 left, Kane Thomas had a 90 yard kickoff return. So a strong special team showing for Midland there. Um, in the third quarter, you saw four scores. Uh, first by Trevor Jones from Midland, a 71 yard run. Um, so you're, you're kind of starting to see a theme, and I think you'll see it later on in the game too for uh, just a couple of big plays here and there. Um, if St. Mary can 
kind of keep those to a minimum uh, may keep this game a little bit closer. But Trevor Jones had a 71-yard run to start the third quarter scoring for Midland. Uh, Tyson Dinkert had two rushing touchdowns uh, back-to-back for Midland. One with 10 minutes and 10 seconds left was a three-yard run. And then he had a 68-yard run uh, with two minutes and 35 seconds in the third quarter. Uh, actually, had three three scoring touchdowns for Dinkert there for Midland in the third quarter. He, he ended the quarter with time running out uh, with a two-yard run there. So after the third quarter, it's 57-3 in favor of Midland. Uh, Midland started off the scoring for the game in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, Isaiah Tucker had a 29-yard run for Midland there. Uh, St. Mary was able to get their touchdown on the day with a minute and 21 seconds left uh, on a 57-yard pass from Shane Bishop to Josh Walker, capping a six-play, 89-yard drive that lasted three minutes and 41 seconds. Anything really stand out to you there as far as team or individual statistics? Yeah, it looks like St. Mary... uh with only 25 minutes of possession in the game, didn't have a ton of opportunity uh, to get points up on the board. Uh, Also didn't help. They were one of 13 on third down uh, conversions, which resulted in uh, uh, a strong punting day uh, for their punter, Vincent McTeague. He had seven punts, 253 yards of punting, uh, averaged 36.1 yards per punt and put two uh, inside the 20. Uh, So he got a lot of, of work. Uh, but if you look at uh, yards per play on offense, uh, 4.1 yards per play is not a, a bad number. Um, 3.1 yards per carry. Uh, so St. Mary has some positives to take out of this game, but just uh, not having that ball uh, really uh, made it difficult for the Spires to uh, to contend with Midland. And now this was Midland's home opener, so you, you, you get some of those those juices going for a team as they they open up for the first time on a a season Um, hopefully St. Mary's able to kind of turn some of this around as they've got uh, got some positives to build on any other stats stand out to you Mark Uh, just receiving wise Josh Walker definitely a standout there for the Spires he let them in catches three catches uh, had 63 yards on the day and scored their their lone receiving touchdown there um, defensive side, some things I noticed. Garrett Carter led the team with 10 total tackles. Uh, they had six tackles for losses, tackles for loss as a team for 11 total yards. So definitely getting some pressure, but just like, as I said earlier, some big plays given up here and there. Um, and the Spire defense did have one forced fumble. So uh, definitely an aggressive defense. Just got to kind of cap the, the big plays given up on the week for St. Mary. Very good. All right. Transitioning to our final game of the weekend. Friends uh, traveled down to Oklahoma Panhandle State University. Uh, so a road game for uh, for the Falcons and for head coach Terry Harrison, uh, who opened up his career at Friends University. Uh, if that name sounds familiar. He was the head coach at Bethel College uh, last year, one of the, the three-way uh, ties for uh, the KCAC championship last season. But Bethel, or not sorry, Bethel Friends goes on the road uh, and gets a big uh, road victory, 31-14 over Oklahoma Panhandle State. That's out of the Sooner 
Um, but if you want to look at, at scoring, Oklahoma Panhandle State jumped out fast and, and quick on friends. They actually scored all 14 of their points in the first quarter. Uh, that scoring started off just a couple minutes into the first quarter at the 13:01 mark. Uh, Zamaria Fountain had a 40-yard uh, reception off of the pass from Brandon Stevens to, to kick open the, the seven, nothing uh, lead for panhandle. And then just uh, three minutes later at 10 Oh eight, uh, Brandon Stevens had a 14 yard run on an eight play 63 yard drive uh, to make it 14 to nothing. So friends, a little bit of the jitters uh, and, and falls behind early. But then uh, once we hit the second quarter, uh, second, third and third quarter, we're all friends university. So, Nine minutes left in the second quarter. Bobby Schmidt opened the scoring for the Falcons' 39-yard field goal on a 10-play, 46-yard drive that took 16 minutes and eight seconds. So that is a very traditional Terry Harrison type of drive using that wishbone and just eating up clock. Friends then makes a, a quick stop, a, well, a fairly quick stop, but gets the ball back and then takes a, an eight-play, 75-yard, six-minute and 30-second drive uh, to score a touchdown with two minutes and 30 seconds left uh, in the the first half, cut the lead to 10-14. That touchdown was on a Jack Mullen one-yard run. Uh, then Friends gets the ball back and again runs down the clock and with six seconds left in the half sack Dressler caps off a six play 45 yard two minute and 24 second drive with a two yard run and friends takes the 17 14 lead heading into the half uh, coming out in the second half uh, friends scores again in the third quarter with 13 uh, minutes 46 seconds left uh, this one not the traditional wishbone drive only because Zach Dressler takes that that first handoff that he gets and goes 55 yards um, a one play 55 yard drive to give friends a 24-14 lead and then the final score that happens in the third quarter and in the game with 7:54 left Caden Rigsby for the Falcons gets a two-yard run to cap off a three-play nine-yard drive um, and friends uh, wins this one 31 to 14. What statistics kind of stood out to you in the, the matchup, Mark? I mean, more of the same from a Terry Harrison offense moving from Bethel to friends, but definitely an emphasis on the rushing attack. Um, all but 11 yards were on the ground. So we had 11 yards passing and 338 yards rushing for a total of 349 yards. Um, rushing, Zach Dressler mentioned several times, uh, scoring a couple touchdowns. Led the team in carries with 20 uh, and rushing yards, 165. But if they can get several people going, then you could see a, a dangerous backfield there for friends with multiple options. Uh, Jack Mullen and Caden Rigsby both had rushing TDs. Lakin Cloudis, uh, I believe, was an honorable mention. All KCAC a year ago, uh, he had... He had four attempts for seven yards but we know his potential there so definitely a, a strong rushing game for for the thresh or for the falcons excuse me um on the defensive side davon mason led the team with eight total tackles nolan ewing had a strong game with five total tackles and an int uh do you see any other statistical performances that 
that really stood out to you? I mean, Tucker Trevitt did have the, the lone sack for the Falcons uh, in the game, so he, he got a sack on the quarterback. But the, the time of possession was just heavily in Friends' favor here. They controlled uh, the clock and, and kept um, – Oklahoma Panhandle off the ball, especially after those quick two scores uh, by Panhandle State. Uh, friends being able to control the clock. You're looking at the statistics that were reported, um, they're they're probably a little bit off because it, it has Friends having the ball for over an hour and 62 minutes and eight seconds when the, there was you're talking four 15 minute quarters um, there's there's not an hour's worth of time there but if you compare it to the time of possession marked for panhandle state of 14 minutes 38 seconds you can just see the uh, the disparity in that time of possession that heavily favored friends uh, who just kind of controlled the ball and controlled the game after that that first quarter well that brings us to the end of the kcac scoreboard now, looking forward, you will not see KCAC Players of the Week uh, this week coming out for football. Uh, we did not have enough of the conference schools in action. Mark, you want to explain a little bit that Player of the Week process when it comes to football? Yeah, so uh, our th- typical threshold for Player of the Week, at least at the conference level, is that half the teams have to be competing um, in order to have a conference award for that week. So only four teams competing. Uh, we didn't have anything in football this week. We will see it next week with what 10 of our 11 teams competing. We will have player of the week next week, but nothing this week. Uh, if you're looking for other sports, I believe men's and women's soccer and volleyball all should have player of the week awards this week, but football, we won't see any conference awards until next week. And on the national level, um, I don't believe, NAI has any football awards until next week either. So um, next week you'll see conference play start and awards will begin taking off next week as well. And we will preview that first week of KCAC conference football uh, later on Thursday when we have our next edition of the, the KCAC beat. But in the meantime, thank you for tuning in. For Mark Hoffheins, I'm Hans Nickel saying thank you and have a great day. been listening to the KCAC Beat. For more information on the KCAC, go to www.kcacsports.com.